Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fun Boat Diplomacy podcast. I hope the sound is coming through okay, because I think the microphone I've been using since September, it served me well, but I think there's um, there's some deterioration in the, in, in the microphone itself. So if that happens to be the case, then I think I'll have to get a new microphone. But I'm going to give this another listen. The, the past couple of recordings I've done, I think I've heard some extra noise in the background that's distracting, so we'll see if I have to replace this microphone. Um, but otherwise, and what else is there? Uh, the It feels like spring's here, at least for these few days. Um, the It was really, really, <clears throat> really, really cold in the past weeks uh, with winter, but now it does feel like spring's poking its head out, and I think it gets cold again next week, but... Um, we took the opportunity with the warm weather to, uh, me and my classmates, we uh, we went about 50 minutes south from here to this mountain called Schleza. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, but we took a bus out there, and so like normally Poland is really, really flat. It's my military history professor used to call it Europe's highway because it was just flat and armies used to just roll right through but it is truly that flat the czech republic is kind of like that too but like both countries uh do have some mountains and so we went to one of those mountains here in southern poland uh yesterday and went on a hike that was about a little little more than seven miles and so we it's just beautiful day uh not too hot it was a little bit chilly up at the top but um but it was sunny uh for uh quite a bit of the hike and there were a lot of people just out and about it was a great opportunity to just get some fresh air and get my exercise going i haven't been hiking since uh, my my time last summer in tahoe so it was really nice to to do that as well to just get back into the hiking mode it's one of my favorite modes that I can get into, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was at the end of it. We we came back to Wrocław and had a couple beers and uh, and and had dinner as well with the smaller fraction of the group that originally went. But yep, it was a really nice, uh, good way to start the week. That was Sunday, I guess. So a good way to get the week started and just to get ready for all. All the presentations I have to do this coming week. There's going to be a lot going on, and so I'm going to get back to that actually, and leave you with this episode. It's, it, this episode is actually related to school because uh, I have a presentation. Well, I had to make do a presentation last Thursday, but the professor just didn't show up, so I don't know what's going to go on with that because it's really pretty pretty bad to like the professor just doesn't show up and. Uh, doesn't acknowledge that they didn't show up, so and attendance is mandatory. So it's kind of stupid to tell your students that the attendance is mandatory, but you just don't show up and don't even have any sort of announcements or acknowledgement that that even happened. So we'll see what happens. But we had to do a presentation. Um, my friend Luca and I, who is uh, on this episode, um, it's about Serbian-Croatian relations in our class about the Balkans and international relations. So you'll learn quite a bit about the situation 
historically and currently between Serbia and Croatia. So uh, enjoy this week's episode with Luka Sterdic. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fun Boat Diplomacy Podcast. I'm here today with Luca Sterich. Welcome. Hey. Yes, nice to meet you. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself real quick to the podcast audience? Yes, I'm Raymond's uh, co-student. I'm studying Global Studies Master Program. It's my second year in Wroclaw. Uh, I'm from Serbia originally, from Belgrade. And um, we're going to be talking about a topic which is very close to me, I would say. Uh, it's about Serbian-Croatian relations. And it's close to you because? Because I'm from Serbia, first yeah. of all. <laughs> and also I studied, I studied international relations and like uh, relations between Yugoslavian uh, countries yeah. for such a long time. So yeah. so like one of our projects for this Balkans class is to present the Croatian-Serbian yeah. relations, right? And so we're going to talk our way through it on the podcast and I'll learn most of I would say the bulk of what I'm going to learn now is going to be what's what's in the presentation at the end, but none of you at home will be there to attend it, so maybe you'll learn something as well. But uh, yeah, the first thing that we're going to cover uh, is culture and like similarities and differences, divides between Croatia and Serbia. Yeah, so I mean, generally I think it's kind of difficult for people who are outside of the Balkans to understand this kind of very complicated... First um, of all, maybe like uh, explain... Where the Balkans is. Yeah. So, okay, so <laughs> Maybe Balkans, people don't know where that is. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Balkans is like a, a peninsula kind of of uh, southeast Europe, uh, just between Italy, for example, and then uh, Russia, I would say, something like that. And like, mm-hmm. so, so it's connected to the uh, middle of Europe, like Hungary, Germany, and stuff, and then to the south, Tur- Turkey and Mediterranean Sea. And it consists of uh, several countries, like uh, Yugoslavian countries, such as Serbia, Croatia, uh, Bosnia, Macedonia, etc. Then also Bulgaria, uh, Greece, and Turkey in this small European part. Some even includes Romania and Slovenia, but it's kind of debatable. Um, Kosovo as well and Albania. So uh, it's a very complex and very complicated area, which is through history always very um, much divided between different influences and different um, sometimes very violent changes and, and stuff. So uh, very interesting, but very com- complex area, I would say. For somebody who's an outsider, mm-hmm. you know? yeah. Um, so, do you want me to talk about the yeah the culture, culture yeah. Uh, similarities, differences? Well, um, it's strange how much uh, connects us and how much divides us in a way. Like a small differences make a big difference, I would say. But uh, first of all, the language, right? Uh, Serbian and Croatian are uh, basically the same language with two names. Uh, as well as Bosnian and Macedonian, no, sorry, Macedonian, Montenegrin, and they're all like actually one language is like small differences, small you variations. Mean Bosnian and Montenegrin are the same language as and Serbian, Serbian and, and no, no, no. Oh, the, all the four the of them is like one language linguistically oh, speaking. Fuck. It's just the because of the political reasons and some like there are of course some small differences, but they're insignificant. I mean, you would never meet a Croatian person and talk in English. I mean, that would be just complete. Like if I were to meet an Australian, it'd be like probably, some different words, probably, some different ways yeah, of saying very it. Then, close. Yeah. That would be very close, I would say. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It's, it's a bit of different pronunciation, a bit of that. Yeah, but it's just a version, different version of the same language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was kind of systematically made the same from 1850, when there was this huge meeting in uh, Vienna with like Serbian and Croatian linguists who made it like a deal to get languages closer. Mm-hmm. And you would like find uh, more like 
more differences between uh, several um, uh, regions within the countries who have their their own dialects than like oh. the languages themselves. They're very very close. Um, so like that's one thing, and of course that that led to the um, like same culture in a way of like exchanging uh, music, exchanging um, uh, writers. Uh, some of the writers were writing um, like Croatia and then Serbia, or whatever. So uh, also Bosnia. <clears throat> so you would, for like quite a bit of twentieth century, you really, really couldn't distinguish who is like really a Croatian writer, who is a Serbian writer, or like I know that uh, maybe for some there's, there's dispute. Uh, for example, I know this is from a couple of years ago. I know that uh, there's a dispute who where where was Nikola Tesla yeah, from? That's a big because discussion. it's on because it's on the the currency, right? Or am I? It's a, it's a, yeah, yeah the, or something the point like is, that. Tesla <laughs> like, was born, Tesla was born, um, in today's Croatia, which was back in the days, Austro-Hungarian Empire. Right. But in the territory of today's Croatia, but he was from the Serbian, uh, family. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so he actually left, uh, it was in Yugoslavia where he was born. He left the, this area to go to study in <clears throat> Vienna, and then he went to the States where he actually made a career. Right. So he's basically a, more or less like, I mean, he, he lived the whole life in the States. He only came to Belgrade once, but he was claiming to be a Yugoslavian, and kind of that also makes it. I mean, like Serbian, Yugoslavian, whatever. So it also makes like a big issue to today because it, back in the days that wasn't a, it wasn't fashion, right? It was the, right. in the time when Yugoslavia was created. It was a time of like pretty good relations between Serbian and Croatian people, and it was like more of a creating this new nation of like Yugosla Yugoslavs in a way. <clears throat> and uh, but today, of course, with the, with the conflict and stuff, uh, it's, it becomes a big uh, like issue of, of like competing for for his um, you know, name and for his. So I remember when Croatia entered the EU in um, it was 2014, first of January. I had to check, but like, yeah, 14 or I think that's when they <coughs> maybe 13. Yeah, <clears throat> 14 or 13. And yeah. then I do remember looking at it because it was Croatia and. Romania, who no, are Romania. On, they're on the way to uh, yeah. get to be entered into the Schengen zone. That's what, mm -hmm. I, that's what I was remembering. Yeah, Romania and Bulgaria entered 2007. I think Croatia entered 2013. I, I have to, we have to check it up. Mm -hmm. uh, look it up, the, the, the exact important. date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first of January. And there was a big ceremony in Zagreb, mm -hmm. which was broadcast, of course, on uh, Croatian television. And we watched it as well in Serbia. Mm -hmm. And they were claiming, like, oh, these are our famous scientists that we uh, kind of contribute to you now and <laughs> one of them was of course Tesla which made a huge um, yeah, dispute of course again right. but for example the airport in Belgrade is called Nikola Tesla mm -hmm. airport so yeah it's, it's kind of one claims yeah. Tesla it's, it's really funny actually because he, among others right like the, the uh, literature people writing literature yeah, yeah, scientists so many, they all yes, just exactly. like those are that guy's mind <coughs> there's some <clears throat> musicians and bands who were like uh -huh, yeah. originally coming from one city in for example in, from Zagreb and then uh, they would be claimed to be Croatian afterwards and then they would be no I'm Serbian or the other way around you know? mm -hmm. so it's it's a huge like kind of uh, because of this small differences that make such a you know big difference when you make a conflict around them so mm -hmm. so then you um, uh, yeah, instead of getting closer, which is kind of normal because, you know, if people understand each other so well and uh, talk the same language pretty much, um, the most, I would say the most um, productive uh, part of the uh, pop culture, let's say, or, like, yeah, was coming from the, uh, this kind of small competitions between the, like, people coming from Zagreb, people coming from Belgrade or Sarajevo during the ex-Yugoslavia and they were mixing up and you see like all these different influences of the Balkans which made it such a, a like a live, culturally live uh, area and um, of course with the division now you have like smaller markets you cannot really, mm -hmm. I mean, now people actually go of course like 
singers, for example, they go to a concert in Split in Croatia or they come to Kragovac in Serbia and have a concert there. But it's not as easy, of course, and like it's not that everybody goes like around this year. But young people still like mix a lot, and um, it's it's for me it's quite normal. You know, I've, I've been to Zagreb, I've been to um, the coast a lot of times, and it's always a great experience. Of course, sometimes you can bump into somebody who can be very aggressive, but like didn't really happen to me that much. It happened to some other people. And it can happen, of course, both in Croatia and Serbia, and there's a lot of. I don't know how to say that, but we say evil blood between. How do you say that? Yeah, bad blood. Bad blood, yeah. yeah exactly. It's like a history. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a very mixed feeling. So. Yeah, but I'm curious, is it's not, what is it that's mixed? <laughs> is it the language is the same? Are you, are people there ethnically different or, yeah, or so ori- racially different? Yeah, originally, uh, these two tribes, now we're going to the history part. Okay. Uh, so, is <laughs> there more like a, the no, culture I mean, just, that we... No, I mean, I'm just potatoes. Yeah. I have okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm just answering your question. So, um, yeah. Originally, like two biggest Slavic tribes who came to the Balkans back in the days, like in seventh century, mm-hmm. were Serbs and Croats. So they were both uh, South Slavic tribes, but they were different tribes in a way. Okay. Um, as being so close and like having living next to each other, they developed of course relations and stuff. But they never had a state together until uh, 1918, actually, when, when uh, <clears throat> Austro-Hungarian exactly first yeah. Yugoslavian kingdom of Yugoslavia was formed. And um, there was a uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire broke finally, so <clears throat> Croats uh, and Slovenians uh, kind of joined Serbs. In this uh, the first name was of the country was Kingdom of uh, Serbs, Croats, and, Sla- and, uh, and Slovenians. Uh, Ser- Serbs, Serbs, Croats, Croats and Slo- Slovenians. Right. Um, and then it changed the name in twenties to Kingdom of Yugoslavia because of some uh, internal uh, difficulties and. Uh, so you have like uh, from like back in like 19th century, you have this idea of like yeah, let's like let's connect these two. Um, I mean, biggest two Slovenians are much smaller uh, people, so like Serbs and Croats are one who like, kind of like influenced the whole original dynamics, you know. And, and there was this idea of like yeah, because there was so living in such a mixed area, there are many actually mostly Serbs living in like today's Croatia because of some political issues. I don't want to go into too much because it's too complicated. Uh, Austro-Hungarians were uh, forming this border line to protect them from Turks, and this is where like Serbs were uh, being um, settled, kind of, and promoting that. Um, so it's like an older issue. Not yeah, it's like issue from the 17th, 18th century. Right, you know? right. Uh, so they were like living next to each other, and people who uh, were th- thinking about it on both sides were understanding that it's going to be pretty much impossible to make ethnically clean. Uh, countries which include all the members of their uh, ethnic community. So the only issue, like the only the, the most logical idea at the time was <clears throat> instead of making like Greater Serbia or creating a Croat state that will, you know, uh, maybe wouldn't include all the territories that they want to do. So they decided just to uh, make one country with like all these similar tribes, make it more similar with the language, for example. So there was like this small group of intellectuals who were thinking about maybe like progressively like wow should we actually do that? I mean we are such a relatively small people peoples. Uh, maybe uh, if we merge together our strengths, it will be strong enough to uh, kind of <clears throat> confront both influences from the north and south because um, there, this area, as I said, is very um, like under strong pressure from the north with, with like. Hungary, but mostly like Austrians and Germans, and then from the south as well, from Turks, and then Russians as well wanted to have their 
influence in the Balkans. So there's always this clash of interests in the Balkans uh, because there's like back in the days there was a route toward uh, Asia or like Middle Middle East, um, and um, people kind of thought, well, maybe if we merge our strengths and like not make not divide ourselves, maybe we will make a strong state that kind of like you know. Uh, be able to confront all these yeah, call our own shots yeah exactly and uh, that was the idea of the like Yugoslavia of course like among people it was not that strong because people back in the day they weren't that educated there was like you know public schools or whatever so it slowly actually grew uh, within the societies but when the opportunity developed in the first world war <clears throat> that uh, Croats and Slovenes for the first time after so many years they actually have a state as a, before that, they were part of Austro-Hungarian Empire for, for a long time. And uh, they decided to kind of merge with Serbia, which was an only independent state back in the days, and uh, a pretty strong army and uh, was on the side of the Allies, very uh, kind of prominent, um, had a very prominent influence in the First World War. So, like, the Serbian government and these intellectuals um, from uh, politi politicians as well, from Croatia and Slovenia, they kind of decided to, let's just merge this part into the greater country you know uh, <clears throat> but so from the very start you have this idea of like merging but at the same time from the very start you have an idea of like what what divides them and these are the interests because um croatia and slovenia uh, being part of the austro-hungarian empire were much richer at the time mm. economy-wise much stronger than than the rest of the rest of the yugoslavia so uh, they wanted to have like more de decentralized power you know uh, where like resources will not go into the central like uh, to Belgrade and like be divided from there, but actually they would have some more their, their taxes and stuff. But as you more said, like, Serbia <laughs> was more it was like a stronger country. It was, it was, I mean, first of all, it had like uh, independence for over fifty years at the time yeah. already, and not fifty, but yeah, I mean, depends how you look at it. Maybe forty, <clears throat> and uh, had a army, had a political influence much much stronger than than Croats and Slovenians. And they, but the uh, Croats and Slovenians, after the collapse of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, were in possession of wealth. Or yeah, yeah. there are more more developed regions definitely than than the rest of the the the, the, the politically more influenced. Mm -hmm. uh, so they wanted so everything. They they well, both mean, sides. They wanted no, exactly. So they wanted they wanted to keep their wealth, but also <laughs> have some sort of political uh, and, power yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's what Whereas Serbia was like, well, we we kind of liberated you and like we. A, a Serbian dynasty, uh, king, king, um, how do you say that? Like royal dynasty yeah. was uh, like after the merging, they became a dynasty of Yugoslavia, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, so there's this political pressure from Belgrade, like yeah, let's let's kind of make it more united, you know, through getting closer, which of course would give more um, strength, I would say, to, to Belgrade and like Serbia. Well, well, while as uh, Croats and Slovenians were more like, well, let's let's make it more. Um, you know, Diverse and they, you know, more decentralized. Mm -hmm. So from the very beginning, you have this uh, thing that that was actually going through the whole era of Yugoslavia. It's always this kind of di di uh, division between, like most most importantly, Serbs and Croats. Between like, will it be more centralized country? Will it be more decentralized country? Mm -hmm. How will we uh, develop this relation? And uh, pretty much, they never worked out <laughs> right. to find the, the good balance that would like make uh, everybody happy. Yeah. Um, so that actually led to the. To the First big issue, uh, which is, uh, I mean, the point is that, like, strangely enough, Serbs and Croats actually never had any competitions before the Second World War. And this is the first time they actually had a huge uh, confrontation <clears throat> because um, uh, Germany made a puppet state in Croatia, an independent state, a Croat state, 
that was, uh, I mean, ru- uh, ruled by uh, the... This was in movement. the 40s. Yeah, yeah. 1941 to 1945. Right. Um, you want to ask him? Or? Oh, no. I'm yeah, uh, oh. yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> just tell me if I'm maybe too... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> sure. Um, so well, they made this puppet state and um, it was led by the movement called Ustashe, uh, which is a fascist movement in Croatia. Uh, which didn't really have much, much of a support within the creation. It's a very extreme right part of the uh, uh, political sector in Croatia. <clears throat> but still, there were some, like, you know, um, people were not content with the, with the new uh, country that was developed before, right? <coughs> so when the occupation came, they kind of went along with this fascist regime and um, led by Ante Pavlic, who was the, the leader of the Ustashi movement. And uh, he, uh, they actually started uh, this, this. Sorry, this state was uh, combined of like today's Croatia, and today's Bosnia, pretty much. So there were many, many Serbs living there, and many Muslims, of course. <clears throat> uh, all, all of it, all of the all of the Bosnia, Croatia, and Bosnia. And yeah, Serbia. yeah. So Serbia was actually an occupation. And zone Slovenia of, was uh, Slovenia was uh, uh, mostly in Italy, kind of um, Muslims Italy, and like the coastal part was part, partially Italian uh, now. Okay. It was divided between different. Gotcha. Like Serbia, central Serbia was a uh, German occupation zone, and then you had like part of the Bulgarian occupation zone on the very kind of Macedonian th- right. area. Um, so it was kind of you know wrapped into different. But the whole thing was Axis power. Yeah, exactly. Italy or Bulgaria or Germany yeah, all yeah, yeah, kind, yeah, kind of came into the, under the Axis sphere of influence. Exactly, exactly. So um, this puppet state <clears throat> was the only kind of independent state back in, at the time. Um, the address was occupied zone. And uh, the, the, like following the Nazi kind of uh, logic, right? Uh, Ustasha applied it to this area, and they were like, "Yeah, we have to extinguish, like, just ethically clean uh, the, the territory from all the Serbs and uh, Jews, of course, which are not as many. Like, you know, of course, there were some Jews, but like not as much. So, like, Serbs, uh, Gypsies, and uh, and, Jew- and, uh, and Jews were becoming like uh, biggest enemies of the state. So they made this like." Very brutal regime with like tons of concentration camps. Most of most important of which was Yasinovitz, which is also mentioned if you remember by the professor at one of the slides. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, there are mass killings, and uh, I mean as as anywhere else in like Nazi regimes, right? Uh, they're very very cruel, and uh, even there's stories about Hitler calling Antipalich being like, "Well, you should cool you down a bit." <laughs> it's like really brutal, even for us, you know. <laughs> Which I mean, if you, if you can imagine that, like, you know, and so of course, it's um, like yeah, it's like when uh, Al Qaeda hit up uh, ISIS and said, you, you, "This is <laughs> yeah, a little too much." Too much exactly, yeah, so <laughs> it's really brutal and cruel, uh, cool and. Um, <coughs> but it, this isn't is is this the first time in like in the I guess let's say 20th century that. One of the sides was uh, was ethnically targeting the other side. Yeah, like that violently. Yes, this is the yeah. first actually conflict. I mean, the, there never exist. Like, never were there any significant conflicts between Serbs and Croats. Uh, there were some political discussions even before within a Austro-Hungarian Empire, and like these, as, as I told you, these political tensions and stuff. Uh, but never was there like some killings or something like that. You know. Um, so uh, that also influenced in, like because the Serbian community minority was. Very like prominent in Croatia, like more than I don't really remember the exact percentage. I think around twenty percent mm-hmm. of people at the time living in Croatia were Serbs. So uh, <clears throat> after all this killing and like um, expelling people from the country, uh, I would say that changed a lot. So there were maybe like ten percent left or something like that. You know, is significantly changed the social structure in this whole area. 
Um, it's an important moment uh, in the relations, yeah, right? it's, it's in, the, crucial in the memory of exactly the because that actually leads to the uh, the way that people think about the relations back in the 90s when the, the topic became again like between the, the, the conflicts, you know. <clears throat> uh, so, so uh, after the war has ended, the Croatian state uh, was, of course, uh, broke down as every other state, upstate to Nazi Germany, and uh, uh, communists took power in Yugoslavia and they made a completely different. An idea about Yugoslavia making it a more of a uh, like federal state of different <coughs> federation, different republics, <coughs> which was kind of probably better idea in the sense of like making it more decentralized kind of way. Um, am I talking too long about this? No, 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 I'm giving no. a bit, bit like kinda all good. longer, yeah. longer uh, introduction so you can follow me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> and um, so, so they um, formed this uh, this uh, uh, socialistic republic of Yugoslavia. Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, which is uh, consisted of six uh, republics, biggest one being, of course, against Serbia and Croatia. Um, and so, when you say federal, that means to, like more decentralized. Yeah, it's kind of similar. I mean, of course, it's different, but it's kind of similar to states, for example. Um, was, oh, I see. It. Yeah, okay, in okay. the beginning, it was less because when we say we say, in my mind, when I think of federal. That's more centralized, oh, okay. but then confederation. Yeah, yeah, okay, be less, yeah, sure. But yeah. that was also the idea. I'm going to come to that afterwards because oh, okay, okay. at one point there were like ideas from Croatia and Slovenia. Let's make a confederation, and Serbia wanted to make it more unification. Okay, okay. Um, but that was afterwards. That was like okay, in, yeah. in the eighties. So in the in the forty five when they formed it, it was like a federation. Uh, pretty strong though, federation. Like it wasn't wasn't loose federation. It's really like kind of you know, pretty central, but also with yeah, unique exactly. republics. Exactly. So okay. it actually developed through the years that they became more and more decentralized mm. uh, with the constitution constitution of nineteen seventy four, which is really important. I'm going to come to that later as well. Um, so the idea was like kind of let's make Serbia a bit less strong because it was obviously dominating the first uh, Yugoslavia. So they like took Macedonia out of Serbia, which was never actually a country or like the idea of. Macedonia was more of a geographical term, but I'm not going to go into that because it's too complicated and somebody else will talk about it. So um, Macedonia, which is part of Serbia, was kind of great, like the, the old Republic of, of Macedonia. And um, also within Serbia, there were two uh, autonomous provinces, which were Kosovo and Vojvodina. Um, Kosovo being to, on the south and now being de facto, uh, but not the Euro independent state. And then Vojvodina being on the north still of Serbia, um, that was territory that was previously part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire as well. So it's kind of more developed part of Serbia, I would say. The but the, the people in Vojvodina are they? They're Serbian. I think Serbs, yeah. uh, What what is this? Might be a little off track. Well, it's, it's okay. No, like it's what's fine. what's the uh, uh, how is that relation very Between briefly? Vojvodina and, 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 and Serbia proper. Yeah, it's it was never as uh, I mean there, there's still some. <clears throat> differences and like people, there are some people who want to like make it more autonomous, of course. But in general, it was never a question of like whether it will stay in Serbia or not. I mean, mainstream politics. So, uh, what's particularly interesting about Vojvodina is that it's a uh, ethnically much more mixed area okay. with like a lot of minorities, most important Hungarians and then Croats as well mm. living there. So, like, if you if you talk about Croat, Croats minority in, in Serbia, you probably it's talk important. about them in Vojvodina. Mm. Uh, that's that's where they are kind of you know, focused, and they're also Slovaks, um, or, uh, people from Romania, whatever. Like there, there are many many different kind of mixture of of, of uh, ethnic ethnical groups, but Serbs are of course absolute majority, and um, they have their own cultural and historical specificities because they were part of the 
different country, right? Also, Hungarian Empire, so they're they have kind of different culture, different cuisine. Oh, so that's bit. how it is. They're part of Austria, yeah, but, the, re- but the rest exactly, of it, the rest of it was, was independent. Oh. So even when they merged, actually, Vojvodina was part <laughs> of it. Yeah, it's a bit complicated. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's easier if people would see the map. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, people at home look up a map of this. It's a little confusing, but. Follow along, but yeah, I have a friend you, from. Can, uh, can you upload the map as well to the podcast or no? Uh, I Somehow, can, mm, I don't. maybe. Yeah, anyway. I would have to figure that out. Okay, but anyway, yeah, uh, I have a friend from Novosad, and he was uh, tell, telling me about it a little bit. But I never knew that it was until this class, until the past couple of weeks, I was looking at the map. I said, "Oh, it's it's kind of its own thing," but I'm not exactly sure how it's its own thing. So now it's yeah, more it's, clear that yeah, it's, it's not because it was developed. It, it, there are Serb, like a Serbian area, but went on two different trajectories in history. Kind of, yes. Yeah. I mean, there's Serbs living there. <clears throat> there's actually the same Serbs kind of in a way that, that came there at the same time when they came to Croatia. And this this is like the whole block. If you look, look at the, the map, mm-hmm. and you look at the map of the historical, like uh, Ottoman Empire, so Turks and, and Austro-Hungaria, there's exactly the borderline. And they're like, uh, uh, like making people like live, people who are fleeing from the inner Serbia after one one war that was really important. People from Kosovo mainly, where like majority Serbs lived back in the days, uh, uh, were trying to escape the revenge of Turks because they were on the side of Austro-Hungarian war, and Austro-Hungaria lost the war. So they were like they left Kosovo, uh, Valley of Kosovo, and they mostly went to this area of like Vojvodina and Croatia and Bosnia, um, which is really interesting because that that's actually when mostly Al- Albanians actually went to Kosovo Valley for the first time in a way, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that's what kind of that's where the Kosovo issue is beginning yeah, like, yeah, exactly. so it's like very complicated history behind that right. as well but that's not our topic today so yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah Vojvodin is kind of special case but it's not like there is not a significant uh, movement for like making it independence something like that so it's, it's like autonomous province within Serbia now um, and um, like not as Kosovo of course Kosovo is completely, completely different story um, so where was I uh, yeah so, so the federation was formed and they kind of make, made Serbia uh, less strong, less influential. Um, also, during that period, like during the whole period of Yugoslavia, Croatia and Slovenia were still the most, uh, the richest parts, Slovenia especially, but then also Croatia. It kind of went gradually. Like if you look from west to the east, the west you go, the west, more west you go, the richer the area was. Um, this is from like Western influence. Exactly, from Western influence. From, like, they said it was like tourism as well. And, yes, yes. Uh, Croatia, so, especially, like tourism-wise, yeah. is like extremely uh, like strong, much much stronger than in any other state in this region yeah. because of the coast, which is super beautiful. I invite people to go there. Yeah, yeah. it's super beautiful. I think the summer. I'll check it out. Yeah, you should. It's it's amazing. I'm gonna give you some tips. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> and Slovenia. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, it's a pretty small country, so in a sense, uh, it was like you know building upon this. Uh, tradition of capitalism, whatever, from before, which didn't really exist in the rest of the, like, right. Serbia and, and the rest of the uh, Balkans before before the uh, Yugoslavia was created, kind of. So, uh, they kind of developed upon that, like, banking sector and whatever, so they were... But did that jive with, like, the, the communists? Oh, yeah, it's kind of different as well in Yugoslavia. The communism was not the same communism that was part of the Eastern Bloc. Because there's this third way? Yeah, exactly. So, so. Th- there's a special... Uh, after eight... So, in the very beginning, 1945... As in any other communist state, Yugoslavia was part of the uh, like Soviet bloc of countries, um, and uh, um, Warsaw Pact. You know about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Actually, it was supposed to be called Belgrade Pact because it's primarily uh, settled in Belgrade, and Yugoslavia was extremely important in these uh, relations. But because Tito, who was leader of Yugoslavia, 
wanted to have more power for himself and be more uh, independent from Stalin, they kind of split ways in 1948. Um, and um, <clears throat> Stalin was extremely, of course, angry about it and wanted to like, make a uh, intervention in Yugoslavia, like just come in with an army. But then Tito turned to the West and kind of be like, yeah, you maybe protect us in a way. Uh, like with the NATO, even though Yugoslavia was never part of NATO, of course, but it was like de facto part of this NATO confrontation, mm-hmm. but we still keep the socialist path, right? So the West was uh, interested in that because they wanted to uh, have this picture of this, of this country, socialist country, who's like uh, fleeing from the Soviet influence. It's important for mm-hmm. media, whatever. Yeah. And so they were giving a lot of credits and like uh, military um um, support kind of in a way to Yugoslavia. <clears throat> so, um, so was the Yugoslav army using like American uh, equipment at at sometimes? Yes, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, they were all also like just exactly like after the war, people were telling me uh, that there were like American help coming like a lot. Uh, ed, how do you say the med, like aid, medical yeah. aid and like yeah. uh, food? Right. So they remember eating, for example, milk from like uh, milk when you have the how do you say the like um. Oh, I don't know how to say that. Like, like flour and stuff. How do you say it? Oh, milk powder. Milk, yeah. Yes, milk, milk powder, powder and yeah. stuff like that. That they ate. Like, yeah, yeah American milk powder is like yeah. a big thing. Industrial supplies. Exactly, like because that, it, was, yeah. it was very destroyed during the war. Right. Uh, and this civil war within Yugoslavia, which was also within the territory of Serbia itself, between uh, pro-royal forces, Chetnici, and pro-communist um, um, forces, mm-hmm. uh, Partizani, which was also like kind of Partizani were around the whole country. And they are, of course, also fighting Ustasha in Croatia. So it was like a whole mess. It was very like destroyed country. So American aid was kind of also important for uh, rebuilding. And um, Yugoslavia kind of decided after 1948 to head it like a third path, even before the other countries, like that they formed a non-aligned movement afterwards, like politically, but economically, they kind of wanted to promote their own type of socialism, which is uh, called self, um, self self-controlling, but like workers should kind of develop their uh, own small political communities within like factories for example and then they should like rule their own factories something like that it's a very strange concept it's kind of mixed actually so some it's kind market. of like, like how co-ops are or kind of yeah or like the, very... the workers also have like a, a say in the meetings exactly or, exactly yeah. so that's something very similar to that idea but it is actually all under control of communist parties right, so there's not really a it's not real. it's like more it's kind of like how china exactly, has exactly. capitalism but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. if i want to shut down I remember when I visited China last year around this time, they there's the, the hostel I was supposed to stay at. They, I, I went up to it and it was just closed. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what's going on? And I look at the sign and they're like, "Oh, we moved locations because the government said that they're uh, developing this block." Mm-hmm. So I looked up and down the block. I was like, "Oh yeah, nothing's open. Like there <laughs> used to be all these sh- all these shops, but the government yeah. want, I think they wanted to expand. They wanted to make the the road wider. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, we want to just destroy all these buildings yeah, and yeah. make the roads wider. Everybody who's here has to leave. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, In China. Yeah. But anyway. <coughs> yeah, yeah. But so so yeah. Um, the idea was like to kind of incorporate some market elements, yeah. but stay, still stay like still a, a state. Uh, kind of it's the last call exactly yeah. so it's kind of like a mixture of, of the two mm-hmm. so compared to the rest of the you remember if when professor said our Polish teacher mm-hmm. here said like yeah for Polish people at the time Yugoslavia was a kind of Eldorado of a socialist right. world and it was because it was kind of generating wealth exactly more than I mean it's still more, not, of yeah. course not close to developed country of Western Europe yeah. but still much more developed than the Eastern Europe countries who were like under the influence of Moscow right. so and also the, this 
super extremely uh, good position um, geopolitical allowed it to kind of be a bridge between the West and the East. So like, for example, many influences culture-wise, for example, music or uh, art or whatever, came from the West, was sort of in Yugoslavia because Eastern Bloc couldn't really, like, they did not listen to Western bands, for example, or, you know, there was yeah, not... It was like, prohibited. Thing. Exactly. So, so then Yugoslavian bands went to the Soviet Bloc or countries. And, and that they was allowed. Them. Yeah, and okay. it was allowed, of course, because it's a socialist country. Right. <clears throat> and so they made, like, huge careers and made huge influence in these countries. Like, so... For example, today you have an album of Polish uh, rock musicians who are like kind of uh, in like five or six years ago they made it to make a, a pay tribute to the Yugoslavian uh, new wave uh, uh, influence, and they have like all these Yugoslavian songs uh, sang in Polish, translated, and then like it, it's a, it's a huge influence also in, in Russia. So that that was really really helpful, you know. But of course, when it collapsed, the Cold War, whole picture of the Cold War. Yugoslavia was left kind of in the middle of nothing, you know. It wasn't like here or there, and then it was like a outside also thing that um, kind of helped the the conflict or like help help the country being. So it's uh, let's say it's <coughs> not, not prosperity, but it's it's sort of this contained uh, thing that could feed itself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Predicated on the Cold War paradigm. Exactly. And also credits that they were taking mostly from the West. Right. Which country couldn't pay off afterwards because it yeah, went yeah. into economic crisis. Right. In the 80s, so and nobody was, uh, then it was became a little bit irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. To, to exactly. pump money into, for yeah, example, exactly, exactly. later on. Which is, especially right now, it's sort of that, that's the issue. It's like, do we want to, back in the day, yeah, we were pumping yeah, exactly. money here, but now it's no, not. Who cares? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. not important anymore. It's exactly. just the geopolitics have yeah. changed and then that right. made a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as the economic crisis kind of progressed, uh, calls for, the, for from the richest parts, Slovenia and Croatia, especially, <clears throat> uh, for the decentralized power was getting stronger and stronger because they wanted like, to have their own kind of, uh, develop their own, um, countries more than like pumping money to the poorest regions, which is mostly, mostly the Kosovo and Macedonia and uh, Bosnia what, as well. What time period are we on now? Now we're in the 70s, 70s. and 80s. Yeah. So like in the 70s, there was the political pressures for the first time. 71 was the, uh, 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 the Croatian Spring, which is kind of like the big movement for, of Croatian intellectuals for the like reviving of Croat- Croatian kind of idea of like autonomy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, the uh, people in Serbia, like the intellectuals of Serbia, a bit afterwards, actually, they also developed this same kind of uh, rhetoric of like, yeah, Ser- Serbs are being oppressed in this kind of country, whatever. So uh, <clears throat> nobody was really happy about it. And uh, did they bring up the forties? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, that, that was like just before the war, but <clears throat> at the time there was not really that. Uh, the, the fact is that after the war, cro- uh, communists kind of put it under the carpet. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't talk about it. There was like, yeah, that happened, but fuck it, we're still like, uh, we're, we're, that's like, we're you still know, all in it exactly. together. So, so we're all in it together. We had this brotherhood and unity kind of thing. Uh, there was a mantra that was always developed, uh, follow, uh, repeated, you know. <clears throat> and um, so it didn't really, no, the conflict wasn't really resolved. It was just like forgot about. But you cannot forget about it. Like, I mean, of course, after, yeah, yeah. like, when the first conflict, the people did live completely peacefully, that there was no kind of ethnic tensions or nothing like similar to that. But when the kind of first, you know, coalition became, and when the central power of the Communist Party uh, weakened, these kind of t- tensions again reappeared and, and started the, the whole conversation of like, yeah, they should, they will do this to us like they did back in the days and stuff like that. <clears throat> so uh, in 74, there was this new constitution, which was extremely important because it led to the more, even more decentralized 
country and also like gave more bigger power to Kosovo and Vojvodina, kind of making it sort of still part of Serbia, but sort of independent within a federation, uh, which of course made Serb Serbs extremely angry and like eventually it lead to the to this kind of call upon yeah Serbs are being you know um, like the, the least important part of this federation, even though they're the biggest nation. So like we should you know rethink the whole federation thing. And Croats at the same time uh, were like yeah we're just pumping money into these countries and we're not taking enough for ourselves, like, look at our tourism, whatever, you know, so this, this kind of decentralization also led to the um, to, to, uh, to communist parties of the republics, because the communist party was arranged around, like, central uh, committee of, like, Yugoslavia, and then also you, have, you had, on their own, every republic you had their own communist party. Mm -hmm. And so these communist parties of the republics became more strong in relation to the central government, and there was like, this, this tension going on. Uh, so that this kind of uh, thing development with the connected with the economic crisis and uh, economic in, uh, inequalities led to the like more and more call about like how should we rethink this, and uh, they didn't rethink it; <laughs> they just collapsed obviously uh, with the like collapse of the Cold War and uh, Cold War era and the like, Communist Party mm -hmm. uh, lost its 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 power and uh, first free uh, elections in 1990. Uh, in every state, uh, ethnic uh, countries were and uh, sorry, ethnical parties uh, who are basing on nationalism kind of won the power, and then then it's too late, obviously. For so it was the collapse. It was just like in the Soviet Union, immediate, or was there? No, not. I mean, it was different because, uh, in, for example, in Serbia, communist country uh, party changed the name Socialist Party and kind of kept the power until the 2000, for example. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Croatia, for example, I mean, also adopting some of the nationalist rhetoric, so it's like a mixture of like communism now and, uh, and nationalism, you know? Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, it was, it was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. We destroyed our country uh, significantly, yeah. It's, I mean, completely, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's a different topic about the economic state of Serbia. And Croatia was obviously developing their own kind of rhetorics on like extreme nationalists as well. And they kind of <clears throat> also built upon this uh, kind of Ustashe uh, memory, right? So there's like the right-wing party who was like, you know, they were like, yeah, we had the state, even though it was a fascist state, but fuck it, like, there was our states or whatever. So they kind of, you know, there's a big problem between these, like, ext extremists who are still very strong in Croatia now. Um, and, of course, extremists in Serbia as well, who were like, yeah, we should, like, you know, just get the revenge for the 1940s when they were killing all the Serbs, so we should just go there and kill them now, you know, mm -hmm. you know? so it was like, yeah, it's huge, huge like difficulties, and there was a war, of course, uh, because part of once again the part of Croatia, which is like settled by Serbs, uh, they uh, in the fear of like yeah that might happen again, they proclaimed when Croatia proclaimed independence in a referendum, which is by the way very close. This Serbian community was like yeah we should, we we don't want to be independent from Yugoslavia, we wanna, we're going to form our own republic. We didn't like independent from from Croatia, and the form is uh, called Republika Srpska Krajina. So Krajina uh, um, became a kind of independent state of Serbs, uh, and within then there Croatia. was a, within Croatia, and then there was like a clash between Croat state, new, newly formed Croat state, and this Krajina, mm -hmm. uh, which led to the war, obviously. Uh, but Serbs in this area were like not powerful. Of course, they didn't this have is any the resources. This the moment that led to the first war. Yeah. This is this is 1991. Yeah. This is 1991. So it's that declaration of independence within yeah. Croatia yeah, of yeah. ethnic Serbs yes, exactly. that started it. Started yeah. kind of the war in Croatia. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, it was pretty bloody war, of course. But it kind of was less bloody than, than I would say, than in, in, in 
Bosnia because of some other reasons. But the point is, um, after it broke, uh, like the, the country kind of, they wasn't sure what was going to happen with Ukraine, and it was like it actually kept alive this state. It's not a state, but it's kind of like a attempt of a state it was kind of alive until 1995, when Croat army uh, in this very important again um, uh, military uh, action, as a military, uh, uh, they 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 made this uh, uh, military operation called uh, the Storm Oluja, and they just ethnically cleansed the whole area and just expelled all the Serbs mm -hmm. to Serbia. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is like, this is what today is maybe the most important question between Serbia and uh, uh, Croatia politically, because in Croatian mindset that that was like a liberation operation, right? When they kind of reclaimed their territory, which is rightfully theirs, theirs, so they kind of celebrated as a uh, um, the the war of our country, kind of like for independence of our country. Whereas in Serbia, it's seen as a um, you know, ethnically cleansing war crime, war crime that kind of like expelled all, all these people from their homes, and like it's a completely different perspective on that. And that still uh, dictates the relations the relations between the countries the most. I would say it's a it's an open question that that moment cannot really be resolved. Yes, yes. No, no, ninety five was it? Oh, was now like ninety five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, ninety one was the independence of. Or declaration of declaration of Croatia first yeah. to, to to be independent from Yugoslavia and then within Croatia independence of Republika Srpska Krajina gotcha. and um, so this is like the first that actually we came to the next point I would say uh, the political so that's like the most important political kind of division mm -hmm. factor you know um, so yeah maybe I'm talking too much about how, mm -hmm. how long are we talking we're good we're good on time <laughs> cool um, so yeah um, that's kind of uh, that's that's the, the number one thing. Um, and uh, I'm not sure actually how it's going to develop, to be honest, because it doesn't seem like there's going to be any acceptance from the other side that, you know, uh, that, that they will change their uh, state views upon this operation. And of course, Croatia is, or, uh, understandably, building the whole myth of the nation within this kind of context of like anti-Serbian, anti-Serbs kind of uh, notion, whereas Serbia, of course, is like, uh, on the other side, being like, yeah, that that's just kind of kind of whatever. So it's a, it's a, it's a big political issue, um, and uh, one of the most important ones. The the other one is of course the question of minorities. Um, in in um, Croatia, there is still much smaller now uh, because of this. First, firstly, in the Ustaše regime, in the uh, second Second World War, was many Serbs were killed or expelled, and then afterwards in 1995, even more maybe. Mm -hmm were expelled, not killed, of course, there was not like concentration camps, but there's, of course, some killings in the way of the operation. Uh, they were mostly like ethnically fleeing to this area, so like there are some people coming back, but this today, like, the population of Serbs is maybe, I don't know, 4%, maybe something around 4% or something, which is... Only in those areas, or in, in all of Croatia? In, mostly in this area, yes, still, but like... But 4% would be for the, the whole, percentage for the whole, of all yeah, Croatia. Yeah, for, 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 for the whole Croatia, is like only 4% of Serbs, which I, I think they're still, no, I know, they're still the biggest minority, but they're a significant minority. I mean, it's like 40% is, 4 is nothing now, yeah. compared to 20% they had like 50 years ago or 60 right. years ago, uh, 70 years ago, yeah. So um, that's like, uh, their, their, their um, position in Croatia is very bad. Uh, they're constantly on some... Assaults from the radical groups of Croatia. Whenever something is wrong in Croatia, of course, you build this uh, rhetoric about, like, yeah, Serbs are the one to be blamed. 
like you do it in Serbia for for Croats, like Croats are the ones who be blamed, you know. The four percent here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, in Serbia it's much less. Like they're much less. Uh, it's like maybe one point five. That's what I'm saying. It's like the, all your problems are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This small yeah, exactly, percentage yeah, of, course, of people. Of <laughs> insane nationalist shit, but that's how yeah. that's how you do it, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, so their position is very bad, and there's always this this huge discussion with the. So um, Serbs are using both Cyrillic and Latin letters, right? Mm -hmm. While while Croats are using only Latin letters. Mm -hmm. So in Vukovar, which is which is the city, oh yeah, I forgot. Wow, this is my huge mistake. I only talk about Croatian crimes, but also Serbian crimes in Croatia, yeah. uh, especially in Vukovar, which is the city uh, on the border between Serbia and Croatia, kind of. Was there uh, combat uh, in inside of Serbia as well between Croatia and no? Inside it Serbia, was, it was, was just uh, just just no, in, there was no the war Croatia. in Serbia okay. until 1999 when yeah. when there was but bombing. Separate, but like that was a separate topic. It was a separate yeah. topic completely. But yeah. like is always this kind of uh, conflict was always abroad, kind of for Serbs. But Serbia, still, yeah. I mean, Serbia was part of it. Yeah, and uh, because the Serbia effectively took took control in 1991 over the Yugoslavia National Army, like the military of Yugoslavia, and they were like acting uh, from the Serbian side, kind of the way. Right? So they, they they went to Croatia. They were in Croatia, and they were uh, they, they literally destroyed the city of Vukovar, which is like a, you know, this is also one of the things that like Croats built upon because they're like, yeah, you destroy our city, for example, mm -hmm. and also Dubrovnik was the other thing. Dubrovnik, you know, Dubrovnik, Game of Thrones, I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, was I mean, that's like a beautiful, beautiful medieval city. Uh, which was ironically um, settled by Serbs uh, back in in, uh, in like Middle Ages. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, and they were. Uh, I mean, there's like always an independent city state, um, which no, is like kind of coastal thing. Yeah, it's, like it's, a thing it's, in it's very very prominent uh, back in the days. Like they were uh, doing trade with like Venetian mm -hmm. Republic and like all over the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah. So they were pretty significant. Uh, but then they just like they were part of Croatia afterwards. So. Um, Serbs, when this whole madness bega began, uh, they were like, yeah, I want to reclaim this as our city, whatever. And they bombed this beautiful city, uh, which is like horrific. And that actually led to the many, many, that, that actually gave a voice to uh, Croatia kind of in the international community as being like in the victim of, the, of this conflict in, in the very beginning. And that like kind of developed the whole situation is a completely irrational decision. I don't even know what, what these people are thinking. Even though there was actually Montenegrins who were bombing it, but they were working for with Serbia. It's so it's like we need to reclaim it, so let's destroy it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I mean it's horrible. So these two cities were like there's a huge uh, kind of let's say Serbian kind of um, uh, like uh, stain on on this war, you know, um, in Croatia, and then Croats of course made horrific crimes as well in other parts. So you know it's it's a bloody war, of course, as every every civil war is. It's, um, it's horrific. It just gives uh, consequences for like generation and generation to come, and um, yeah, it's, it's it's horrible. So these minorities, that's why I wanted to say that they have this uh, in Vukovar. There's still Serbian community living there, right? So they have the um, how do you say the board, the um, like pla plates uh, on the um, municipality building, and they were like both in Cyrillic letters and Latin, and then radicals from Croatia were destroying these. Cyrillic, because, because they don't use it. Yeah, because yeah. the Cyrillic not, is like a yeah. Serbian thing, you know, so right. there's like a huge like, thing about that. It's like, it's like a major issue all the time because whenever you see it in media, then like somebody in Belgrade burns the Croatian flag and like it's just like this kind of nationalistic 
like you know discourse is being re refueled and like it starts again kind of so there were like multiple times of like breaking this and it's kind of like also symbolic for the Serbian community in Croatia like how do they uh, confront them and like how, how do they act towards them it's pretty pretty bad you know still and they still don't have like the they have like kind of constitutional rights to protect them or whatever but I mean in practice it's not really I mean you can still see a huge uh, discrimination against Serbs and like it's, it's pretty bad position and for Croats in Serbia, I wouldn't say that bad. Of course, they, they're also they're mostly in Vojvodina, as I said, uh, but they're not a significant minority, and there was not war on the territory. So there are people there were during the war. There were these um, radical groups of uh, Serbian nationalists who went to these villages in Vojvodina, expelling the Croats, like you have to leave this country now. So of course they have their own um, uh, immigrants from who should like kind of come back to, to Serbia. And there's big difficulties between like that's that's a third topic now. It's like a uh, um, immigrants can emig how do you say when you emigrate? It's emigrants then, or is it when they leave? Yeah, uh, yeah, emigrate. emigrates. Whatever. Yeah. I, I'm not. So yeah, this <laughs> I'm not an expert this uh, yeah, yeah. This, this area. So, this, so this, I don't this, even have the terminology correctly. Yeah. So these 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 people who wanna leave should have to like return to their homes, which yeah. they lived in for centuries before mm -hmm. uh, and that's the, also the, the issue like how would you if the states are working on like uh, giving back the um, you know, homes and, and houses and like uh, land or whatever was uh, like owned by Croats or Serbs in another country how they're working on it and both states are kind of working on it not voluntarily completely and they're like kind of trying to you know whatever not not really like openly helping minor like these people to Maybe Come like back selling them short on something. Yeah, exactly. So like, there's like yeah. a big, huge problems, and that's one of the things that uh, politicians always like, kind of discuss and work on. And there's some periods when it's better, some periods when it's worse. Yeah, but even if it's, if you think about how it's such a small percentage of the minorities mm -hmm. who are like uh, who are going back to where yeah. they were living before mm -hmm. in the other country yeah. that's ethnically different from them, that if if it's in, like for example if it's in the media mm -hmm. it's like look look at it in Serbia how they're how they're treating exactly, other people exactly. like, it's like even if it's a small percentage yeah, yeah, it's, it's significant for the whole population yeah, but I, I'm I'm convinced that both political um, elites are building upon this you know that whenever there their need for some uh, internal whatever problems whatever they just kind of open up this front again kind of towards Croats or towards Muslims in Bosnia or towards Albanians in the Serbian case or in the Croatian case almost uh, almost always against Serbs kind of <clears throat> or Slovenians as well but it's a different topic and uh, they I think they're kind of collaborating on that like it's, it's a collaborative effort you know like, yeah let's let's you know let's have this conflict now about yeah like uh, we have for example there was this um, <clears throat> one of the problems that we didn't mention before was like economic relations so both countries were part of the SEFTA agreement between like free trade kind of agreement uh, but then Croats since when well, was since the 2000 Five, three, five—I don't know. Like beginning between of the two, yeah. Between the... Because between actually the all this uh, Western Balkans, as they would call, call it. Of course, now Croatia is in the EU, so, so it's not like the same uh, position now. But still, like, the, the contract is still on, kind of like. Okay. So you, you don't have uh, uh, border so controls. In, in at, the, at the so at the same time that Croatia has to adhere to EU standards yeah. and EU re regulations, yeah. they also uh, are in this agreement. Yeah, with, exactly. But uh, this agreement is mostly about the. Um, I don't know how they call this, but they have to pay for the for entry oh, tariffs, Ta like tariffs, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So for like for like um, uh, you know um, stuff needs to be sold in another market. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's this huge uh, political issue again when 
Croatian border control stopped the, uh, like, kind of didn't let Serbian, uh, not only Serbian, but actually also Macedonian and I think Bosnian uh, trucks from coming in and like bringing the, all the things to, to sell in market. Mm -hmm. And then there was like a huge debate, of course, about this politically. And, uh, and uh, eventually EU uh, kind of said, told Croatia, like, you have to abolish this politics stuff according to the regulation. So right. but there's like for like a month, a month or something, um, at uh, first, they try to have both. Exactly. So, so, it's kinda, they, exactly. They, so um, yeah, that's it's one of also the, the things, you know, you have like these economic relations and you have many, many Croatian companies working in Serbia. And they're pretty strong, actually. They, they built, they're buying all the, like, with the privatization process. Many Croatian uh, investors came to Serbia and bought all these, like, domestic brands of Serbian. But at the same time, because they're richer and more developed, I would say. But at the same time, Serbian... Uh, Economical uh, influence in Croatia is much less strong, like much less prominent. There's not so many, if if any, I don't know if any actually, uh, Serbian companies buying companies in Croatia, like working there, you know. So because that's also a political issue, you know. For Croats, it's I guess more difficult to accept Serbian companies, or whatever. Um, so uh, there are like some huge um, companies that kind of like function both, both countries, owned by a crowd, for example, one of them, and it, it broke down uh, like last year. There's like, a huge issue because now um, thousands of people in Croatia will lose the jo jobs, but also thousands of people in Serbia will lose the job because the same company, right, that, that went to bankruptcy. So then you had to renegotiate kind of that position as well. Like, you know, how, how will Serbian state uh, talk to these, uh, about these companies in, in, uh, in owned by Croats or whatever, you know. So it again becomes a political issue, not only economic issue. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and which one? We had one more. Have, uh, the last two are the EU, but we kind of touched upon that already. Oh yeah, EU. No, I, we can still talk we about it. We touched upon it economically as far as yeah, trade goes. Yeah. I forgot one important thing is the border thing. Mm -hmm. uh, there's still unsettled, small unsettled border between Serbia and Croatia on the river Sava, which like floats in between. I mean, it's completely insignificant in a way. It's like Will this completely unpopulated uh, island uh, on the river be on this side or that side or whatever? It's like a very small, like this, like these three trees in the forest, yeah. whatever. But it still kind of you know brings the tension between the two because they they couldn't really. And now with the last uh, meeting of presidents of Croatia and Serbia, which we're going to talk about later, they can agree upon let's try to work it out for the next two years, I think. And if we don't, we're just gonna. Give it to somebody to solve it, you know, like, uh, the, oh the, my God. The, the, because you know, <laughs> this is how it's done. <laughs> yeah, that's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's completely stupid. But that, that's how it goes. That's yeah. how politics in the Balkans goes. Um, go. So um, yeah, that's like border thing, and then uh, the EU thing. Yeah, um, obviously Croatia uh, took began reforms, like market reforms, much more for Serbia back in the 1990s. Uh, and Serbia was like waiting until 2000s to start. Actually, again, exactly on the year 2000, there were like big uh, regime change in Serbia, and they started like having being like putting EU as a goal of like uh, like integration in EU as a like major goal of Serbian politics, whatever. <clears throat> Whereas for Croatia, it was a point like much much more much before, and they were more developed, so they kind of progressed uh, on this path much more uh, rapidly, and uh, they joined the EU. Uh, 2000, we have to check it up, <laughs> 2013, I think. Um, and uh, there, I remember when I was uh, like back in 2006 or something, there was still, there was like a topic, will maybe, will it be smart to accept both countries at the same time because then it would maybe lead to a reconciliation of, uh, you know, uh, 
mutual kind of understanding or whatever, but they didn't do it. And uh, Croatia now is in position of like being a member state of EU, of like kind of putting the pressure on Serbia because if they don't accept, if Serbia doesn't accept uh, accept any of the propositions by Croatia, then they would uh, they can just stop them in the EU path because they have to accept it now. You know, and that's the same thing that Slovenia did to Croatia <laughs> before joining the EU. They were putting pressure on Croatia, and that now Croatia is doing that to Serbia, which they kind of you know that, that's so how it's it goes. added another layer. Of exactly. Uh, yeah. Tension. But like uh, officially, Croatian politicians are saying yes. Our interest is that Serbia joins the EU at one point, but under these conditions. So kind of we want to help them, but if they do this in a way and like. You know, this is like a very t- because of course they're under pressure of Berlin mostly. Right. Um, so yeah, that's an issue. Like, how will Serbia progress through this? Will there be more um, confrontation on this path? Because that will probably lead again to the confrontation and like, yeah, they're you know whatever. Um, so so uh, at the moment, like uh, European Commissioner uh, came to Serbia, generating uh, and he said like, yes. Uh, we think that Serbia can join the EU by 2025, but let's see. If it depends on you how you progress. Progress, you know. But that there's like so that this this question of EU mem- membership will st- re- remains open, <clears throat> and also there is a military kind of thing, which is another layer. Because Croatia is part of NATO, and Serbia, uh, because of historical reasons, mostly don't want to be part of NATO. So they have like also pretty strong Russian influence in Serbia, uh, but not as like it's the kind of neutral state, uh, and. Uh, so, so it's a question of like how, like when, for example, Croatian military buys new equipment from NATO, then Serbia is like, yeah, they're threatening us now, and we have to buy some new stuff from uh, planes, military planes from Russia, for example, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, or so it's kind of like also these these tensions are also in the military sphere. So you have like economy sphere, pol- political sphere, most of, most importantly, uh, military sphere, but the, the, the economic sphere, but also of course it all comes down to like the people who are living in these countries, like. Uh, both minorities are being kind of in a bad position because of all these tensions that they're like, confronting. And um, you have now the, the latest thing, I think the only thing we have remaining, right? Yeah, the meeting exactly. <clears throat> is, uh, so at the moment, uh, Serbian president is the most significant uh, uh, political figure in, in Serbia. Uh, he's a sort of kind of semi-authoritarian guy. Uh, who I don't really support at all. To be to be very uh, diplomatic, we have, of, we have one of those too. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's kind of like similar, you know. It's actually more similar to Orban, I would say. But yeah. Anyway, uh, he uh, back in the '90s, he was part of this radical nationalist party in Serbia, who was uh, like tr- trying to claim the Serbian territory in Croatia, and, like want to make a greater Serbia that would include some territory of Croatia, and like he wanted to, you know, he was. There are footages of him being like. Uh, back in the days, like uh, he was really young, he was like 22, 3, whatever. He was like, Yeah, we should, like, you know, for every k- k- killed Serb, we will kill 10 Croats or something like, stuff like that, you know, like this rhetorics. But then he kind of changed his rhetorics in like 2010, and uh, he, he's like moderate now. And uh, but of course, I mean, for people in Serbia, he could maybe sell this story, but not to people in Croatia because they're, I mean, they remember him as like this killer, exactly. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's a big issue of how they will. Uh, now, how he will work with <coughs> Croatian politicians who are also from the uh, the same party that was uh, ruling during the nineties, HDZ, uh, which is like a they also have this very rightist approach and very nationalist rhetorics of like yeah they, they build upon this uh, you know building the Croat state by expelling Serbs or whatever. So they are also like kind of 
not maybe as extreme uh, personally, like people who are like not, not ruling are not personally involved, were not personally involved that much as he did, the Serbian president, but still they they're from the same, exactly, they're from the same uh, party, so they're kind of like, you know, follow the same rhetorics or whatever. So these two, like, kind of national rhetoric people who are on the other opposite sides, right? Are now sitting down to talk. Of course, of course, that's, that's a very normal politics here. <laughs> that's what I'm saying by, they have their own way of, like, you know, Dealing. So, uh, Serbian President Vucic, he was invited by uh, Croat President's uh, President, she's a, she, it's a she, uh, Kolinda Grabar-Kitarovic, and he came to Zagreb uh, last month uh, to discuss all these major political issues, and they were, like, for three days, I think, he, he was there uh, in Croatia, and uh, it was a, a very, very significant, politically significant uh, meeting, because they kind of claim, yeah, we have separate ways in thinking about thinking about war and whatever. We're not going to talk about it now, but let's kind of settle the arguments about these t topics which are really important for people to live, you know. And uh, so they have this deal about the, the border and then some other things we have to look up, actually. <laughs> but mostly about, like, yeah, how to incorporate minorities better, how to uh, work with, like, uh, refugees that should come back, you know, and, and stuff like that. So um, it was a very significant kind of political... And when you say refugees, it's... Uh, That's what I said, but by immigrants, like the refugees that, that flew during the war. Who now need to return and exactly, uh, see to, how they exactly. figure out what their old stuff was. Exactly, exactly. Okay, gotcha. so, so that's the refugees okay. issue. You know, it's pretty significant with, uh, with, the, with, the, with this relation. And um, so, yeah, this is kind of like a new development. You always have this kind of love and hate relationship. It's a very strange one, right? So you have a... Uh, great closeness sometimes between people of course when you meet when I, if i would like meet a croat i mean if he's a normal uh, moderate guy i would probably be best friend with him because it's like you know we can talk about stuff and we understand yeah. each other very well but also you can meet a, an idiot on the other side both serbs and croats that didn't be like yeah i have to beat you up <laughs> so it's like a very very uh, Difficult. Uh, if I'm trying to imagine what it's like, it's like uh, it's like in America where there's really extreme people on the right and extreme people on the left, but they're all kind American. Of. But then, if they a normal American meets another mm. normal American, yeah, yeah. they get along. But then it's these people yeah. who hold extreme views on each side. In a way, it's similar, but you have to add this uh, identity dimension, which is crucial because you have all this like specifically story, uh, exactly, yeah, yeah, story behind the history the behind it, exactly. Uh, so then you like calls upon all these like myths and like stories. And, uh, you know, stories about the horrific crimes from the past and, like, just, like, builds yeah, on all this. You might make a, an analogy, then, with, like, uh, black Americans and white Americans. Maybe, maybe. Uh, like, but not, not exactly the same, yeah. of course, but I'm just trying to contextualize it. So yeah, yeah. It's in a way, in a way there are some, yeah, some, something some, like that. some uh, yeah, connections between the two of, like, identity and, uh, you know, and like, ethnic and yeah, race like racial thing. and ethical, but... Yeah. I still wouldn't. I, w I still didn't see the, the same kind of relationship because uh, obviously, black Americans and white Americans they live in, a, in the same country, right? So they, have, yeah. they don't have this. Or they have a history of conflicts or whatever and horrible crimes and I mean racial discrimination and anything. But like on the other on the other hand, they kind of live with with each other still. While here you have like separate countries, so they're actually drifting apart a bit now. You know, like they're not they were like going in the same direction for seventy years and then. Uh, all of a sudden, like from 1918 till 1991, and then now all of a sudden you have different paths, you know. So of course there are so many like still connections, many whatever cultural influences mutually, whatever. But still, you can you can see that you know these countries are kind of and people, of course, are don't have made many as many topics maybe or as many closes. So probably in like 50 years uh, they will not be maybe as close or whatever. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they will. <laughs> it's very difficult 
projection to make. But um, also, um, link, uh, come back to the very start of the, this uh, podcast was about language. Uh, that that question was also raised once again. So, uh, as in the 19th century, it was important to get languages closer. Now, Croats, um, especially Croats, they want to kind of reclaim their language because they have their state now. So they they called it Croatian first of all, because before that it was called Serbo-Croatian or Croatia-Serbia, depending on where you were. But it's one language, and now the Croats are like, no, it's a different language, and they're building a whole like nationalistic um, discourse upon like, this linguistic issues mm-hmm. and they're <laughs> imagining new words <laughs> inventing new words uh, that even like some of them in the cross don't I mean they don't use it but officially they, there's like different differences that may, they want to make it more specifically Croats related exactly exactly words. you know it's like yeah. we're very funny words sometimes they, they just like <laughs> but you would never really use it it's no just, no it happens it's, it's to funny. be tied to exactly but it's, but it's important for to understand because of the you know how, how you have to Deviate from the mutual language to like a new language that will that's going to be our language because we're different uh, ethnic group and whatever. So you have to like this linguistic thing is extremely important in nation building process in general. Honestly, especially in the Balkans, same thing happened with Bosnians, Bosnians, Muslims in Bosnia, and with Macedonians. Uh, okay, Macedonians is different, but for the Montenegrins especially, they also like they they created new letters that never existed before. They have like letters for that are in use in like one word. That they also invented, just so they can have a different letter. They invented <laughs> the it when, two thousand fifteen. So there's a new way of writing. That's yeah, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, exactly. They have like oh, no, have like three different letters <laughs> oh than Serbians. Even oh, though, of course, so it has it, it has its roots in the same <coughs> alf- no, alphabet. Uh, it's it's the same alphabet. I thought you meant a new alphabet. I don't know. No, no, no. It's the same alphabet, but they they just added three letters to the oh, alphabet, okay. so they would have. I mean. The word they say, Shakira, for example, they, they invented the new word, the new letter, sh for like Shakira. <laughs> I mean, whatever, it's, it's a very funny thing, but yeah. when you think about it, it's actually extremely important because that's how you create the divisions between, between people who actually speak the same language. But now, if you would ask somebody, if I would say this in front of somebody else, and he would probably be very offended if I say that they speak the same language, but like linguistically speaking, it's, I mean, linguist, like, globe from the globe decided to give one code for this, for all these languages because they're just too close to, to, to be differentiated linguistically, you know? So even though maybe like in 50 years again, maybe languages will change to the level where like for whom and Boris, who is a, our Bulgarian colleague, understand each other, of course, but not as closely as I do with the Croats. So, mm-hmm. so we don't so know. So similar that. enough to Bulgarian as well. Bulgarian is similar, yes. I mean, Boris and me talk, I talk in Serbian, he talks in Bulgarian, we understand each other almost perfectly, like 80% maybe. But with, with Croats, it's like 95%. No, 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 it's 100%. I mean, like, there's no word in Croatia. I don't, I don't know. know. Croatian, yeah. exactly. Maybe these, what, some of these new words that even Croats don't know. On like a CV, would you put, you know, like, what, what would you put? I would never put that because it's kind of embarrassing to say that you know Croatian because that's, I mean, so what same language. language. You I mean, say Serbian. Yeah, I say Serbian, yeah. of course. Yeah. But it, I mean, but I, a Croatian of course. Right, Cro- Croatian. Yeah, Croatian, of course. But like, I mean, I don't, I don't but mind. This, but it's a unique situation where <laughs> basically the same but you yeah I, I guess I, I speak like I speak like five languages exactly I mean yeah, yeah. I don't mind like if somebody it's completely fine if you want to call it a different name but it's just it's one language with four different names that's it I mean okay. in my opinion that's how I see it yeah, yeah. Um, probably if I say this to a Croat he would be oh yeah you're super nationalist and you because you're because you're Serbian. because I'm Serbian and like you know they're kind of Serbs kind of claim their language I mean they, they kind of kept the same language right so yeah. and while Croats want to Rebuild their own language, right? But so if the Croats hadn't said that, would the Serb get offended? 
Is there a way that a Croatian would offend a Serbian when they're talking about language? They, yeah, I mean, when they say that, that that's a different language, you know, that that's the way that, like, you know, if they claim yes, it's a completely different language, then like Serbs would be like, yeah, they're talking oh, okay. it's the same language. You know? So they want to make it their own language, and the Serbs would be like, yeah, that's like one language. But I mean, linguistically speaking. This is pretty, you know, like just just scientifically speaking, it's one language. I mean, you can see that because I read so many books in Croatian, and like you meet people, and you just, I mean, it'd be ridiculous to say like, "Hi, I'm Boka." Like, how about? I mean, why would I do that? It's kind of, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty, it would be completely. Uh, just, you just wouldn't do that, you know. So people understand each other perfectly. Like when presidents meet, for example, of course they speak in their own languages or their own language in a way with a different name, but they would still say, "No, it's a different language." <laughs> it's funny. Okay. <laughs> It'd be well, like you know, uh, if, if you would, if uh, an Australian and American would meet, and then they would they talk in French them. because they don't they talk the same language. Of course, they wouldn't. Yeah, they would talk right. in English, you know. But they wouldn't claim that they're saying they're speaking Australian. An exactly. American might say they're they're speaking American. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would say that, but not in the same way. I would say if you say I'm speaking American, you would maybe think of an accent or like whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you would never think of it's oh, actually it's a different language, right? No, no, no. You would think it's I mean it's English, obviously. So that's yeah. the same thing, pretty much. Yeah. You know, you have some differences, of course, some nuances some other words for some things like months for example or yeah some like I don't know here they see true or stuff like that but, but like once you hear that they're speaking with like with these words then you know yeah of course you know, you know, know you, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean you do know that the person is crowd when he, he, he speaks you know yeah. you just you do seem you do notice the difference but it's just you still understand him 100% and that's that's the topic <laughs> so yeah right, well We've covered all our topics, and now we're out of time. And uh, yeah, thanks for explaining this whole thing to me. I hope we welcome do well on our presentation. I think we will, because fingers we're full of knowledge. <laughs> and now I am also full of knowledge. So thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. <laughs>